So parables that pack a punch. If you haven't been with us for the the past month or so, we've been just working our way through these different parables that Jesus taught. Uh, And Jesus often taught in parables, and and as he would teach to the crowds, he he spoke in, in these stories that taught a lesson. And oftentimes, the reason it's parables that pack a punch is oftentimes uh, there's, there's the quick, simple understanding. And then as, as you kind of let that, that parable marinate for a little bit, uh, as you understand it, then oftentimes it, it catches us off guard. Or it's, there, there's some hidden truths in there that, that maybe we haven't seen before. And the parables we're looking at uh, today are no different. Again, Jesus teaching the crowds around, teaching his disciples, many of whom thought they had it figured out. But then he teaches them and and they learn something, or maybe they come to find something that maybe they had completely wrong. We'll get a chance to see that. And it's it's been so fun to, to look at each of these and to study and to understand more and more about what it means to follow Jesus. We want to do that again today. And so we come today to, to, to two short parables that, that Jesus used to teach the crowd. And he's teaching them specifically about the kingdom of heaven. And so if we're going to learn about the kingdom of heaven, who better to learn from than, than the one who came down from heaven? The one who, who has existed from the beginning, whose kingdom it is to tell us what to expect and what his kingdom will be like. So I invite you to turn with me to Matthew chapter 13. This is on page 797 of the chair Bible there. We're going to look at the, the parables we're looking at are in verses 31 through 33. And it says, Jesus told them another parable. The kingdom of heaven is like a mustard seed, which a man took and planted in his field. Though it is the smallest of all seeds, yet when it grows, it is the largest of garden plants and becomes a tree, so that the birds come and perch in its branches. He told them still another parable. The kingdom of heaven is like yeast that a woman took and mixed into about 60 pounds of flour until it worked through the dough. So again, two two very simple and short parables. One about a tiny little mustard seed that that somebody planted. And even though the seed is so tiny, it grows into a huge tree and birds come and perch in its branches. And another parable about a lady who's really, 60 pounds of flowers is a lot of flour, right? But a lady who's who's got a ton of flour and is, is baking bread, kneading yeast into the dough. And there's the kingdom of heaven. It's just like that. But as we, as we get into these parables and we try to understand what the kingdom of heaven is like, uh, I, I think it's probably helpful if we first quickly step back a question and answer this. Well, what is the kingdom of heaven? All right, before we try to understand what it's like, we've got to understand what it is. And the simple answer to that question is that the kingdom of heaven is the way things will be when Jesus asserts 
His full authority over all of His creation. When Jesus sets all things right. You see, God's words, the, the Bible is telling us all about the kingdom of heaven. It starts off right at the beginning in Genesis 1-1. Like God created everything. He made His perfect kingdom. He made all of all that we see and all of the people to live with Him in perfect unity forever. And He gave us free will so that we could worship Him. But, but we read in Genesis that sin entered the world. And then we read through the, the Bible, right, that, that, that the kingdom of heaven, it kind of feel, seems like as you start reading that, that, that everything's gone wrong. But God set the redemption process in motion when Jesus came to earth. When he came to earth on a rescue mission to redeem his creation back to himself. And we see that in John 3.16, right? That God so loved the world that He sent His only Son. Then we continue on. 1 Peter 3.18 describes how, how God once and for all defeated sin through Jesus' sacrifice on the cross. And ultimately as we come to the end of God's Word, we see in Revelation, in Revelation 22.12, that God is coming back. And he'll make all things right and he will rule forever in his kingdom. And so as we're talking about the kingdom of, of heaven, that it's, it's, it's for those of us who belong to him. That God has redeemed and made a part of his kingdom. And even though right now we're kind of, oftentimes we, we wrestle because we're, we also live in, in the kingdom of this world and we find ourselves in, in between and, and confused because uh, we, we belong to the kingdom of God and yet we still are on earth. And how does this all work? And when is Jesus coming back? And does his kingdom start? And it, it can get confusing. But the point of it is that, that God is in control and his kingdom will reign. And so as Jesus is teaching these parables, he's teaching us, what does it mean to be a part of my kingdom? What are things like, what are the rules in my kingdom? The people listening to his parable, the, the disciples and the, the, the rest of the, the, the Jewish uh, religious authority and all the people listening, they understood what it meant to be part of, of Israel. They understood what it meant to be part of the Roman kingdom, right? But Jesus is saying, this is what it's like to be in my kingdom. And for those of us, like, we, we know what it means to live in, in, in America. We understand what it means uh, to be citizens of, of this country. But what does it mean to be a part of God's kingdom and you see the disciples and and all those gathered around they were looking for something different they were expecting a messiah they were expecting they, they knew about god's kingdom they were waiting for it you see they, they they very clearly understood the first part they understood genesis that god created it all that he had set it in motion and that he was the authority they got that they also really, through the prophets, understood the last part, that God was coming back, that He was sending His Messiah to set everything right and to rule and reign. And they were really excited about that part. They just were missing out on that whole middle chunk. 
They were ready for the end. They were ready for the conquering and the ruling. They were on board. They were waiting. They were expecting Messiah to come in and throw off the Roman Empire and to rule and reign. Because God had given His people the law to point them in the right direction. God has sent His prophets to point the way. And Jesus came to set things right. And all the disciples at first and, and the, those gathered around missed it right away. Jesus was teaching them and showing them what it meant to be a part of His kingdom. To show how to follow Him. And what it looks like to live a life according to the rules of God's kingdom. Because Jesus called us to follow Him. And for those of us who are followers of Jesus, He's called us to live according to His kingdom rules now. The Apostle Paul in Philippians 3.20 says that our citizenship is in heaven. Right? That, that's our identity. Our identity is that, that for those of us who have put our hope in Jesus, that our citizenship is in heaven. We are, we're strangers and foreigners in this world. And so we live according to a different set of rules. And so these parables that we're looking at today are an opportunity for us to understand what it means to live by those kingdom rules. So again, just quickly recapping those, those two parables. Right? The first one, that, that the kingdom of heaven is like a mustard seed that's planted and grows into a huge tree. And the second parable, again, is equally as simple. The, the kingdom of heaven is like yeast that a woman works into a whole batch of flour. So as we get ready to look at what it means to live by kingdom rules and live in the kingdom, would you just pray with me? Uh, that as we open God's word, as we, as we say that, that it, this wouldn't be Mark's wisdom, uh, but that God would teach us. Would you pray with me? Father, we, we thank you for your word. We thank you that, that, that even though I'm speaking, that, that you are here. And we pray that, that you would just show yourself to us today. Father, that we would see you. And that you would just draw us to yourself. That you would reveal yourself to us. That we would know you. We ask this in your name. Amen. So the first thing, the kingdom of heaven, the first thing that we see is that the kingdom of heaven is an infusion of life. You see, the kingdom of God, the gospel as we understand it, it's not just a concept that we need to understand. It's, just not, it's not something that we need to learn and know. See, the gospel is life transformation. It's change. We're called to be born again. There's new spiritual life implied in the kingdom of heaven. The gospel isn't just about changing our behavior. In John chapter 3, Jesus has this interaction with Nicodemus, who's one of the religious leaders. 
And Nicodemus comes up to Jesus at night because he doesn't want everybody else to know. And he, he talks to him. And, and, and Jesus, in this conversation with Nicodemus, tells him, you must be born again. And Nicodemus, like most of us, goes straight to the thing. He understands the physical. Like, How am I supposed to be born again? I'm an old man. But Jesus explained it's, it's, a, it's a new life that's needed. The gospel's about new life. That our spirit is made new. That there's this infusion of life that wasn't there before. And that's what we see in both of these parables. Both these parables are showing us the same thing, right? That there's, there's a lifeless substance that needs an infusion of life. The seed is life from without. The yeast is life from without. They're added in. It's not something that we have within ourselves. Right? It, it, it's not that we have the natural ability for our spirit to grow. Right? Ephesians said that we are dead. Right? Dead things don't grow. Right? Without God, without the gospel, we are dead. There's nothing in us that's life. And we need that infusion of life from God. So here's, here's the great truth that Jesus is, is teaching in the parable of the seed. Let me just say it really simply. We are dirt. There we go. That's really comforting, right? right but we, on our own, we, we're nothing. We're, we're dirt. Right, have, at the end of our driveway, we have this great patch of dirt where there used to be grass. Right? You guys probably have something similar. But there's right at the edge of the driveway, and we sometimes drive over, there's this patch of dirt. And with all the snow and then the warmth and then the cold and the warmth, this, this patch of dirt, has, we've added water to it. Today it got some great sunshine. It is this beautiful patch of, there's this tire track through it. It's just dirt, right? That's all it is. And, and on our own, even if we add those things, right, add some sunlight and water, like, and we're basically this hard clay junk, Right? That's probably what that patch will be for a while, too. Uh, but that, that's what we are on our own. But then when you add the seed, and we see in different parables that Jesus explained, the seed is, is the gospel. It's the infusion of life from God. It's the spiritual birth that we don't have in ourselves. And it's added in. And when the seed is added in, even in the story of the tiniest of mustard seeds, when it's added into the soil and given the water and given the sunlight, what happens? There's life. That, that little dirt patch is transformed. And you see, flour is the exact same thing. I, and I, I don't know if... With little kids in our house, we've done this a time or two, right? You take some water and you add, you take some water, you take some flour and you add water, and what do you get? You get this great sticky paste that can distract people for a little while, right? But you look at this story, 60 pounds of flour, you add water to it, and and on its own, water and flour and and heat, what do you, again, you're probably going to, it might taste a little bit better than the clay brick, but it's just going to be a brick, right? There's nothing, there's no life in it. It's a mess. But when you add in the yeast, when you add in the life, it changes. And that that flour is transformed into the loaf of bread. You see the principle, the the kingdom principle, the kingdom of heaven is like this. It's it's this idea that, that there's life 
that's needed. This spiritual life, and it's not something that is of ourselves. It's not something that we're naturally born with. Spiritually, we are born dead. We are born enemies of God. And we need the Spirit to be added in. Unless you are born of the Spirit, you cannot enter into the kingdom of God. The religious leaders and the disciples, they were waiting for this outside hero who was going to bring them into the kingdom physically. But Jesus showed them that the change needed to happen within. And on their own, they didn't have what it takes. When you become a Christian, you get new life. But there's new power within you. We are raised to a new way of life. And this is what the power of the gospel is. The second thing, and just carrying on, is as we, as we move on, the, the kingdom of heaven changes everything. Right? As this new life is added in, it changes everything. You guys may not recognize this from my sleek figure, but Emily is an amazing baker. Right? And one of her specialties is cinnamon rolls. Right? And... and uh, as you might guess, Emily's cinnamon rolls are also made with flour and yeast like most are, right? And, and like this parable it kind of talks about, is that the yeast is mixed in, works throughout the dough. That when, when Emily makes cinnamon rolls and you cut into one of her cinnamon rolls, you can't open it up and say, oh look, here's the yeast over here and here's the flour over here, right? It, it completely, as the yeast is worked into the dough, it transforms and changes everything. That there isn't this, here's some yeast over here and flour over here and some water and sugar and all those different things. It's, it's all mixed together and it's a whole new thing. And the same is true with the seed. You see, I'm, right now I'm, I'm trying to grow an apple tree. And I started this fall with a little seed from an apple. And I, I, I currently have about a five inch tall plant on my windowsill. But even with that, that tiny young plant, if I were to, to uproot it, which would make me very sad, uh, but if I were to do that, you wouldn't be able to find the seed, right? That, that, that seed, and you wouldn't be able to look at the soil, and where all the, the things that were in the soil, it's, it's, all, it's transformed all of it. It's changed. There's not a seed and dirt anywhere. There, there's a tree. And that's how the gospel is in our lives. When that, that life is added in, when the gospel is added into our lives, it affects every aspect of our life. The way you treat your family, how you spend your time, how you spend your money, how you use your things, what comes out of your mouth. Your thoughts, everything is transformed and affected by the gospel. For those of us who are followers of Jesus, God's word lays out the truth that we're changed. The old is no more. We are a new creation in Christ. Paul uses this analogy throughout. It's, it's kind, of a, 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 kind of a gruesome analogy, but in Ephesians and in Romans, he, he talks about that we're crucified with Christ. That our, our, our old self is dead. And we're a new creation. And it's almost this picture that, that if I'm a new creation, why would I go back and take that, that, that corpse and kind of drape it back over myself and act that way anymore. Because I'm new and I'm different and I'm changed. But this idea that, that everything is changed brings up a, a challenge that we often run into in our culture. Because none of us have arrived. None of us are there yet. 
Right on, up on stage here, I may look like I'm doing all right and I've got everything together. But the reality is, is as new creation, as new creatures, we're a work in progress, right? And that's, the, I think, one of these other truths hidden in this, this parable that the kingdom of heaven, it takes time. It takes time. It's not instantaneous. With yeast and bread, it takes time. Bread has to rise. Emily's Emily cinnamons have to rise twice and then bake. It's a long process of waiting for those things. Right? And even, even with my little tree, it's, it's, it's five inches tall, but we're still probably a good five years out from getting any apples from it. Right? It, growth takes time. No one plants and expects immediate results. We do the same thing. We, we, start and do, we, we, we give ourselves lots of grace in other areas of our lives where we start something new and we give ourselves a little bit of grace. But for some reason, in this area, we don't. And that's why we, we, we try to be careful about using these languages of, of it's a journey with Jesus, right? We're a new creation. We're, we're born into this new life. We're growing. We're pursuing Christ. None of us have arrived. None of us have achieved perfection yet. And as new life begins, it will continue to grow and change until the point where we see Jesus face to face. And it will be finished. The Apostle Paul in Philippians 1 verse 6 says, I'm confident of this very thing, that he who began a good work in me will carry it on to completion. He knew that he was a work in progress, that, he was, that God was still working on him, that God was still growing him, that was maturing him. A couple chapters later, and if you want to look there, it's on page 952, your chair Bible. Philippians 3.12, Paul writes, Not that I have already obtained all this, or have already arrived at my goal, but I press on to take hold of that for which Christ Jesus took hold of me. Brothers and sisters, I do not consider myself yet to have taken hold of it. But one thing I do, forgetting what is behind and straining towards what is ahead, I press on towards the goal to win the prize for which God has called me heavenward in Christ Jesus. Paul had understood this mentality that, that he was pursuing Christ. He was being made new. He was a new creation, but it was taking time. He hadn't achieved. He hadn't arrived. And he knew that until he stood face to face with Jesus, he wouldn't be there yet. And yet, if you skip down a couple of verses, Paul goes on. I think this is an important thing. He, he invites all of the listeners to say this. He said, follow me. Imitate me as I imitate Christ. As I am growing, as I am being changed, follow me. 1 Corinthians 11, he says it this way. Imitate me, copy the things in me that you see in Christ. And so he set himself up as an example, knowing he hadn't arrived yet. But as he pursued. You see, the gospel is the power of life and growth. And in both these parables, the seed and the yeast, they grow. And it's not an explosion of instantaneous, immediate change. It takes time. And there are seasons of growth where things do seem to go fast, and other times where it's slow. But, but as growing new life, we are changing. We're being made new like Jesus. As we finish up here, I think there, there's one last little thing I want to say. And it's this. It's that the kingdom of heaven is not an add-on. 
You see, this, 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 this principle in this parable, I think it, it may feel like I'm just repeating the first principle. Right? The, the, the kingdom of heaven is, is an infusion of life. It's added in. Right? It's this new thing. But, and in a lot of ways it is, right? That the gospel of, is an infusion of new life. But there's a, there's a small distinction that I believe we often miss. And it's something that we can't miss. Because it's so, so important. And this seemingly simple difference that, that many people fall for, it, they, they miss the life-transforming power of the gospel. And you see, it's this, it, the, the power of the gospel, it, it, it's, it's not some philosophy. It's not a new way of doing things. It's not just an add-on that things are going pretty well in my life, so I'm just going to kind of do things this way. Many people try to take the gospel and just apply it to their life in that way. And it's kind of like Emily just throwing a packet of yeast into the bread, right? Into the flour. If, If the yeast is still in this little foil packet, it doesn't interact with it at all. It's kind of like setting a seed, you know, on top of the ground or maybe even in a a Tupperware container, right? If there's no interaction, if it's not infused into it, then there's no change. It doesn't work that way. You see, if the gospel is true, if God's word is true, then it's all or nothing. We can't pick and choose. I think the, the very scary and sad truth is, is today the church is filled with people who live good lives, who, who are really kind and work hard and, and do nice things. They even go to church all the time. They even give money to church. But the gospel hasn't invaded their heart. They haven't opened up that packet. The yeast is not mixed in with the dough. It's not just a bunch of good advice or principles to add on. It's the infusion of new life. If we just try to apply the gospel without being born again, without coming to Jesus and surrendering to Him, then we don't have the new life. Matthew seven twenty two is a very scary passage. And Jesus says in the the end days, many people will come to him saying, Lord, Lord, look at all the things that I did for you. Look at all the things that we did. And Jesus' response to them said, away from me. I never knew you. The truth of this parable is that the kingdom of heaven is new life in Jesus. It's the gospel. It's not about what we do, but what have we done with Jesus? Do we know Jesus? Have we put all our hope and everything in Jesus and are trusting Him for what He has done for us? To put it in the words of the parable, have we opened the yeast and allowed it to be worked throughout the dough? Are we being changed by that new life? Have we allowed the seed to be planted into the soil of our heart? Are we giving God control and the ability to change us and to grow us? What have you done with Jesus? The hope that we have is that it's not about us. 
It's not about what we do. It's not about our ability to keep the rules or to do things right. The hope of the gospel is that Jesus accomplished it all on the cross for us. And he gives us the invitation to come. To put our hope in him. Because he loved us and he's rescued us. Would you pray with me as we close? Jesus, we love you. We stand in awe of you. Jesus, we thank you for the cross. We thank you for the hope that we have, that that it's not about us because we know ourselves. We know that we don't have what it takes. But you have given us new life. You have offered us new life, that you make us new. And so, Jesus, we, we run to you. We ask that you w- would, would change us, that you would cause us to grow, that you would be glorified in us, and that you would draw us to yourself. Jesus, we ask this all in your name. Amen.